0: Welcome to Rental Equip Talk Radio with your host, Donald Charbonnet. This is the radio program designed for industry insiders, as well as anyone interested in getting into the rental equipment industry. Now, here is Donald Charbonnet.
1: Hello and welcome to Rental Equip Talk Radio. I'm your host, Donald Charbonnet, broadcasting live from New Orleans. Always a thank you to the hundreds of listeners we have, tell your friends and associates. Remember that November is actually Movember it's Men's Health Awareness Month. If you haven't scheduled a checkup, get to it. It saved my life. Let's all keep the victims of the California wildfires and our thoughts and prayers. It's tragic what's happening out there. A big thank you to Jeannie for sponsoring our show. Great equipment, great people, great company. Remember, you can always listen on demand after the show. Let me know if there's a certain guest you'd like to have on the show, and I'll do my best to get them. We have some good ones coming up, especially today, uh, and more in the weeks to come. My email address is rentalequiptalkradio at gmail.com. My guest today is Gary Barteky, well known by many throughout the industry. If I read his whole resume, we actually won't have time for the show, so I'll hit some of the highlights. Gary is the owner of GB Financial Services, LLC. He has more than 30 years of experience in accounting in complex consulting assignments, including experience in serving many industries. He has experience assisting in matters that require damages computation. He has provided expert witness testimony and has assisted legal counsel and clients in litigation matters. Gary formed GB Financial Services LLC in 1996 after having spent more than 12 years BDO USA LLP as a partner. Gary also is the CFO of Eliani High Reach Inc. and the former Vice President of Finance for the Associated Equipment Distributors, better known as ZAED. He has an MBA, accounting, and finance degrees from Roosevelt University in Chicago. He's a certified public accountant. He belongs to the American Institute of Certified Public Accountants, Associated Equipment Distributors, Material Handling Equipment Distributors Association and the American
2: Rental Association. Gary, welcome to the show. A lot of that experience was uh, directed at the rental and leasing businesses, and uh, uh, and that's how I got here today. And I have to say that when I first saw the uh, advertisement for the radio show, I just thought it was a great idea and a super way to get information to people about the rental business. It's well, uh, As you know, it's a complicated business, and uh, the more help we can get, the better.
1: Well, I, I appreciate your comments on that. Uh, Gary, let's let's start off with your background a little bit and in, in how uh, you got to where you are today.
2: Well, you know, when I first got out of school, uh, one of the first jobs I took in a public accounting firm, that firm did the three Clark Equipment lift truck dealerships in the city of Chicago so i had the privilege of working with those uh, three organizations at the time when the rental and leasing and everything else was uh, you know taking over a bigger portion of the uh, business and uh, as a result i you know i got in and got into the short term rental and we got into the long term rental and we got into the rent to buys and we got the rental with maintenance and all kinds of rental uh, programs and they were nice enough to allow me into their dealer meetings uh, where I could listen to people and how they were doing this. And I just uh, fell in love with the rental and leasing business, and uh, that's what I continued to uh, focus on for my entire career. So one of the, one of the people at the, uh, these uh, associations or meetings of dealers um, you know, said to me, boy, he loves the rental business, and I said, why? He says because I get to buy it and somebody else pays for it, and that <laughs> thing, uh, you know, that's always uh, that's always stuck with me. And I said, you know what? He's got uh, he's got a right idea, yeah, very good <laughs> idea. So I did that for uh, twenty years at BDO, and then I was also at AED as their finance director and uh, put together their cost of doing business survey, and did CFO conferences uh, twice a year. Uh, for them, and uh, I also write uh, articles every month for Equipment Today magazine. I do some for Rental Product News, and also Material Handling Wholesaler, and uh, among others. And uh, so I stay. Uh, and and being uh, you know the CFO of Illini High Reach, uh, which is a uh, Fortune you know with the rental top 100 companies. Uh, you know, keeps me on my toes and uh, current on, you know, on what's going on and what the issues are out in the industry. Obviously, you're very, today. <laughs>
1: you're, you're, yeah. you're a busy, busy guy for sure. So, busy so Gary, if, as we look at the industry and there's there's really big companies and there's mom and pops and there's a medium-sized regionals, uh, what do you see are the biggest problems that rental company management uh, has at this point in time?
2: Well, believe it or not, and this has been an issue for a long time. It's educating the accountants, and it's also educating the bankers. They, uh, a lot of times, you know, unless you're working with people that uh, work in this industry, you know, quite a bit, you know, they don't get it. They don't understand the value of the equipment, and uh, you know, they think you're, you know, you're buying a piece of machinery for your uh, uh, manufacturing operation where it's uh, not worth anything once you put it on the shop floor, which isn't the case. So, you know, in terms of uh, financing, in terms of bank covenants, in terms of uh, debt-to-equity ratios and all that, you know, our industry is a little bit unique. I mean, I like to, you know, look at it that uh, I keep telling everybody it's a... um, it's like herding cats, you know. You, you know everything's. Uh, one day it's uh, working great, the next day it isn't. You know, if you push something down over here, something pops up over here, and every day's an adventure. And uh, you know, trying to get that across when you're explaining to a banker why you broke a covenant. Uh, like uh, for example, uh, you know, here in, in Chicago, hell, if we have a major, you know, snowstorm and. People are shut down for four or five days. Well, that's four or five days of uh, rental revenue that just disappeared. So it's um, it's um, yeah, it's an interesting business, and I find a lot of people need uh, need a lot of explanation. So I encourage people to uh, send all the you know industry materials to their bankers and accountants. Our banker, you know, I used to take them out to the uh, con expo and let them meet a lot of people and see what's going on. And the more they become familiar with it, uh, after a couple of years, they'll start uh, buying into the program. As long as you're, you know, generating the positive cash flow to, you know, to pay off the debt. Um, The other thing is, you know, it's just, you know, we we got to. Tough business, and uh, you now we have to manage it. To a uh, big problem is to manage it to maximize the value and cash flow, uh, which is easier said than done. Um, so, if we don't, uh, if we're not careful with our capex purchases, and if we're not careful watching our expenses, etc., you know, it could be uh, could be a uh, you know a problem. So, we have to educate ourselves, and uh, you know, we have to educate our. Uh, partners in terms of bankers and accountants, and uh, otherwise, uh, you know, you run off the rails or the data isn't presented in the proper way, and, you know, then when they compare it to your peers, you know, you look different, and then you got to explain all that stuff. So, um, learn it, and train your people, and uh, train your bankers and accountants, and you'll be ahead a of the game. And, and so would you
1: say that this applies to both large and small companies i mean the same uh, rules and and when you talk about uh covenants you know it's very easy to spend money in this business and buy equipment Mm -hmm. uh at at Mm -hmm. a whim what are are your thoughts on that
2: well the bigger companies you know a lot of them are public companies so they've got uh, you know 22,000 accountants and lawyers figuring out all that stuff um What they do, though, that's interesting is they all uh, follow the uh, ARA ARA rental metrics. So anybody in the business that doesn't have the ARA rental metrics, uh, they should get a copy of that uh, because they go through all the definitions on how they calculate things and how they define things. And when, the you know, like I think United Rentals, if you look at their annual report, I think the first sentence there says that they follow the... uh, Ara Rental Metrics guide to uh, do their reporting. So I think that's uh, that's important to do. Um, in terms of the covenants and the banks and all that other stuff, it's uh, it's um, you really have to make an effort to understand exactly what goes into making up those numbers. The CEO has to know. The CFO has to know. Even the sales manager has to know. Um, because you know decisions made regarding fleet purchases uh, decisions made regarding increases in expenses uh the, the decisions made to uh, purchase capEx other than fleet you know all impact those uh, ratios and can have a detrimental effect when in fact you could have avoided the whole problem if you just understood the timing of your transactions against when you have to do your your covenant calculations
1: right. And, and- Gary, you mentioned a keyword metrics along the way, and so what do you think are some of the best benchmarking sources available uh, for people to know what's what's really, I guess, right or wrong?
2: Well, I you know I, I use uh, quite a few. Um, ARA Cost of Doing Business Survey comes out every other year, and they you know they have three segments: uh, the construction equipment, the the uh, tool, uh, and the uh, and the party. And when you look at the, and then they further divide it in by what percentage of your total revenues is rental. And I'm looking at the page right now that says 90 to 100% rental for construction equipment. And it has uh, profitability, performance ratios, productivity ratios, final financial position ratios, cash flow ratios. Then it compares the growth from year to year, revenue growth, then it has a section of uh, general information, number of employees by department, owners, setup and delivery, repairs, other, uh, which is very helpful. Then they've got a uh, balance sheet data, uh, fixed asset data, liabilities and net worth data, uh, revenues uh, breakdown between rental and others, selling and G&A expenses, uh, so it's uh, it's uh, it's uh, got a complete uh, breakdown of the entire financial statement broken down by volume, uh, which I find is uh, very helpful when you're trying to see how you're comparing with everybody else. In addition, ARA has a um, uh, personnel cost survey that they do. In fact, I just completed that uh, last week. Uh, it's almost to the point where... They've got so many categories in there that it gets a little nuts. So what you, what you really have to do is uh, go through that and uh, you know, fill it out to the best of your ability and then be consistent when you fill it out again so that you're not moving people around to different categories that would uh, mess up your comparisons. Uh, but that's a great... Uh, they tell you, what, you know, what people are making in various areas of the country and depending on the size of the city, etc. So it's a pretty good report. Um, I also looked uh, at the AED, Associated Equipment Distributors Cost of Doing Business Survey, um, that uh, they're selling and renting and doing parts and service in addition to their rental, but at the same time they have a bigger bigger and it's getting bigger all the time rental component of the business. And I used to do that, and I set it up so that there was a rent-to-rent component and a rent-to-sell component, so you could measure the performance of both. But it's just a good way to, you know, see how, uh, see what's going on. Uh, public companies. Uh, the other thing I recommend is everybody buy a share of uh, two or three of the public rental companies, and then you get all the data. And they're present their quarterly presentations, especially for, you know, Sunbelt. Uh, uh, there's quarterly reports and all the data in there. Boy, they're great reports and good examples on what uh, what you might want to do for doing a you know, bank presentation. Maybe not all of it, but, uh, but uh, some of it. Then you got the bank security analysts. KeyBank has a great uh, uh, presentation piece. Uh, they do. They cover the rental companies. Uh, we go to the OEM events to get data, conventions, um Use, uh, but I said you know, the best way to do this, and we don't do this in this industry, we do it in other industries, is, uh, you know, form a 20 group where you've got 10 different rental company CEOs that get together two or three times a year and they have uh, financial metrics, uh, you know, pro forma statements that you prepare with everybody's data so you can compare results. There's no competitors there, but I am amazed. I do this with the uh, lift truck companies, dealers. And I'm amazed at what those guys get out of those programs. I mean, the, the cost of the, the trip is uh, paid for in the first 10 minutes most times because they're all talking about what they're doing. They're all talking about current events. They're all talking about what's working and what's not working, and they compare notes, and uh, they get it, and everybody goes away with a ton of ideas. You know, the managers love it when you come back from one of those meetings, because they all hate you, because it's, uh, you know, you're coming back with 20 ideas to implement, <laughs> but uh, but uh, but the people that do it, you see the change in their results. If you, you know, the attendance meetings, uh, the group I was working with, they've been together something like 12 years. And, uh, you know, their, their operating results are above the industry averages. So that, uh, that really works, and it's an easy way to compare what you're doing. And the last thing uh, along those lines is uh, Roush Analytics. Now, Roush Analytics uh, compares your data to your competitors in your area. So you get into the group, if you qualify, you've got to qualify to get in. I mean, in other words, they've got to have enough uh, people that compare to what you're renting, because you got the same we've got the five or seven or eight people you know, renting the same uh, type of equipment, yeah, then they'll, they'll consider bringing you into the group. But they can compare everything in your company compared to the other people in the group. You know, rental rates, utilization rates, daily, weekly, monthly rates, you know, the makeup of your fleet, you know, how much of your fleet you got out on rent. I mean, anything you can th- you can do it by salesman, you can do it by model, you can do it by customer, you can do it by anything and compare all the metrics. And, you know, what's great about it is, is that uh, they even have an app for the phone now where the salesman can compare what the other eight people in the group are renting a certain piece of equipment for on that day. It's updated daily. <laughs> and uh, the cost is nominal if you really, I mean, if you can't recover the cost of the uh, program uh, uh, on a monthly basis just by what you're learning from the, from the data, well, then, then you're not trying. Um, yeah. it's, uh, it's a great program, and it's uh, Roush Analytics, and it's uh, Brad uh, Spitzer, and it's uh, Brad... Period Spitzer at RauschAnalytics and if you want to know more about that, uh, that's a great, uh, great program. Yeah. Well, that's, you, uh, those are the sources I use.
1: Yeah. yeah. At that, I'm going to break back to Voice America and take a breather. Mm-hmm.
3: Have you tried the new generation of Genie XC Booms? The XC stands for Extra Capacity, and with new technology in the design, the Genie XC Booms carry a higher load with dual capacity capability, compliant to global industry standards. Save time while you increase productivity. The new Genie XC Booms are common in design, parts, and accessories for easier servicing. For more information about the Genie family of XC Boom Lifts, visit GenieLift.com. That's GenieLift.com. Com. Genie Genuine Parts undergo testing on long-term durability and reliability which means higher equipment resale values and warranties for you. You don't want to waste time and money on generic parts or even counterfeit parts, especially in the long run. Genie Genuine Parts are factory-fitted and field-tested to the highest of standards, which means more machine uptime. We also have free ground freight on orders of $750 or more from our two-parts warehouses. Go to GenieLift.com to find out more. Genie Aerial Pros is one of the most comprehensive industry websites focused on safety and standards service and new products and applications the Genie Aerial Pros site features experts in aerial and rental markets with five decades of experience and shared knowledge you'll also get information on upcoming industry and company events, videos, training and more, the Genie Aerial Pros website is available on a wide variety of platforms including Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, Instagram or through our own website at genielift.com. The Genie Z60-37FE Boom Lift is at the forefront of true hybrid technology. It is actually two machines in one that can be used for both indoor and outdoor applications. The Genie difference is a lower cost of operation and cleaner performance. The Genie 60-37FE Boom Lift is more fuel efficient, driven by high efficiency AC motors, which means lower emissions too. Check out the Genie FE difference today. Visit GenieLift.com
0: this is rental Equip talk radio with donald charbonnet if you have a question or comment about the program please send an email to rental equip talk radio at gmail.com that's rental equipped talk radio at gmail.com now back to this week's program
1: and we're back There's two comments I'd like to make on that. Uh, First is one about your groups. And I was in a group years ago, and I have to say it was one of the most valuable uh, things that I did throughout the year was to go and meet with people from all over the country. And we did everything. I've commented on previous shows about uh, rental rates and top rental items and percentages of operating expenses and things like that. So uh, to the listeners out there, if you're not in a group, uh, certainly seek one. Uh, the other comment I would make is that on the uh, cost of doing business survey, would would you suggest that uh, a company have their CFO compare these numbers call, along the benchmarking uh, lines and and meet with the banker to show that how well they're doing against the uh, with the industry?
2: Yeah, because I, either, either if I didn't uh, use the survey. Uh, I, I can still lay my numbers against what's in the survey, but what it does is it gives you a consistent approach to presenting the data. Uh, you know, you, you're going to have you know things that your accounting policies might be a little different, but in terms of making the presentation, you know, here's the revenues and here's how the expenses work and what you have in the expenses. Everything's all laid out, and you can lay out your data. Your, your internal financial statements should really follow this uh, format, and. Uh, then uh, then you can uh, take it to the bank and show them what's going on. Even if you're not doing as well as what's chosen here, you can then concentrate on, gee, here's what we're going to change, here's what we're going to do to make it better, and it all falls into place. And they feel a lot more c- I guarantee, I'm telling you, 99 out of 100 bankers don't know anything about the rental business. And you've got to educate them, and once you do it, then it, you know, it gets, uh, gets, uh, gets better. But this right. is a good way to do that.
1: So, so Gary, we got all these different costs of doing business surveys and all this uh, benchmarking and analytical stuff. So how do you use uh, these materials available to you to maximize the value of a company that you work with?
2: Well, my, uh, my thing with the, uh, with the rental companies is uh, uh, what you want to do, because it's so highly leveraged, You know, the industry is so highly leveraged, you really got to show the true equity value that you have in the company, and you've got to show that you can cover your debt service. So you really don't want to do anything. I know if it's a private company and, you know, the tax issues, you don't want to pay taxes and all that stuff, but if you're in a rental company, it shouldn't be taxed anyhow. But I want to show as much profit and cash flow as I can. I want my fleet values on the balance sheet to be proper, and I'll explain that in a minute and I want my equity to be as high as I can make it, and I want to make sure my EBITDA number, we'll get into that a little later, is uh, enough to cover my debt service and expenses and, uh, and then get into the covenants to make sure I'm doing things right so I'm not going to violate any covenants. To, to just run the company and take out a lot of personal stuff and do everything else, you know, you're just murdering your numbers and uh, then you're not going to compare very well uh, to the ratios, like in that ARA uh, survey, they've got the uh, you know the owner's compensation separate., you know, it's a separate line item, so you can see what they're you know what they're taking out. But uh, so, for example, the first thing which is going to be a little unusual is uh, an unclassified balance sheet. I don't have current assets and current liabilities on my balance sheets. Reason being that in the rental business, if I do that, and I have and I'm leveraged up a lot, then I'm going to have my current bank debt for the next 12 months sitting in current liabilities, and my rental assets are sitting in long-term assets. So, you always wind up with a negative working capital, and then the bankers, you know, go nuts right off the bat. That gee, what's <laughs> going on here? You know, I don't have uh, any working capital. I got my cash, receivables, inventory. Um, for parts, etc., and that's it on the left side, and then I got this 12 months of debt on the right side, um, current debt for the bank loans, and it just kills you. So the approach uh, you know, uh, that's used in most cases with the, with the uh, rental companies is just a total assets, total liabilities, and then equity uh, with no breakdown of uh, current and uh, long-term. Um, Second thing is, you know, that I look at is uh, cash is king. So whatever I do, and it's, uh, you know, easy to get confused in this business to uh, focus on exactly what's going to happen if I do this or that, et cetera, to my cash position. And when it's going to do it to my cash position so I know what's going on for the, you know, for the future quarter or two quarters so I don't get myself in trouble during, during a reporting period. Billing. Uh, what I do on the billing side, I save myself a lot of uh, aggravation by doing post-billing. So I don't do the pre-billing and then issue a credit based on how long they keep it. That's just uh, you know a, uh, a uh, perfect example of how to get in trouble with customers. to only wind up fighting about credits all the time. So I, I post-bill it once it's earned. I bill it, and uh, that's the way it works. And they have a lot less problems yeah so you short yourself about 15 days worth of cash flow in the process but uh, you'll make that up because you'll have happy customers and you'll get more of them and uh, it'll 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 make it up so those three things right there are uh, you know pretty you know easy to do number 1 and uh, number 2 uh, bring a lot of value to the uh, to the company now in terms sure. of the rental fleet you know we talked about value before um, I uh, want to make sure it's proper. I get a I get a uh, a uh, appraisal every year. You know, forced liquidation value, orderly liquidation value, and fair market value. I do that every year. I want my book fleet, my fleet uh, net uh, net uh, value of the fleet to equal to the OLV, the orderly liquidation value. So I set my depreciation methods to a uh, number or a percentage that five or six years down the road, I know pretty much what it's going to be worth. So I I bring it down to that level, and then I always check to make sure that the orderly liquidation value is close to what I've got on the books for my fleet. That way, the banker knows, he doesn't have to mess around, he doesn't have to ask for an appraisal, he knows that what he's looking at on the books is the OLV, which is the designation they use for a lot of their calculations. So it, uh, so it helps in a, in a lot of ways. So I use, uh, you know, 10% a year, uh, and I'll go down to uh, 30%, and then I'll let it sit at the 30% uh, value because I know it's, it's, uh, it's worth that and it's worth more than that. The other advantage of doing the appraisal is to, uh, uh, I use the fair market value designation that they have for each unit, and I use that if somebody wants to buy a piece of used equipment I go to that number, and that's what I say i got to sell it for. And I show them the report. And it's amazing. My uh, gross profits on used equipment sales uh, went up substantially. Mm-hmm. Um, in terms of the fleet as well, is uh, you know, using uh, re-rents to meet short-term needs. You know, It's uh, you know, the old issue of uh, I don't want to buy a lot of equipment for three months of uh, demand. I'd rather use re-rent uh, during those periods when I'm uh, going to be short of machines rather than uh, use them for three months and then have them sit. Um, right. The other thing going on now is um, repair, rebuild, or replace the machine, and uh, I'm a firm believer in uh, uh, keeping the machines uh, in there as long as you can uh, to maximize the ROI on that uh, unit. Um so I don't uh, get rid of it uh, till until uh, you know, the annual uh, repair costs are 30% of the revenues, and that could be uh, 300% of the original cost I collect in revenues plus. In a lot of cases, for me, it's plus. And uh, at the same time, I uh, buy used equipment and refurbish it myself, or I buy refurbished equipment from the OEMs and uh, keep my uh, costs down. Biggest trouble, you know, with the with the dealers and the financial issues is, uh, you know, you can go out, buy too much equipment, pay too much for the equipment, and then we run into a recession, and you're in big trouble. Uh, this way, I've got a lot of flexibility, you know, doing this the way I do it, because I'm still getting the street rates, so, you know, it's good, very good for the ROI, Um mm-hmm. And the other thing is, you got to properly measure your time and dollar utilization, and get a report every month. I get a monthly report, and then I get a trailing twelve month report to see how things are trending, and uh, make decisions on uh, future acquisitions and dispositions. So uh-huh. that's uh, so, and that's uh, so from from the you know on the asset side, you know that's pretty much uh, you know pretty much what we do. Right. Right. Um, so, to keep, uh, you know, what else I do is, um, you know, I, I try and encourage people to have a debt matrix made up so they know they've got some equipment, to dry powder. If they have to get rid of something because of changing economic conditions, I'm not going to wind up with a lot of debt I can't repay. Uh, I'd like to have about 50% dry powder in my fleet versus debt uh, so if people can meet that. They've got some flexibility. Um you got to know that your debt service is covered based on your ROI on the equipment. Um, I always calculate what my you know note payments are as a percentage of the cost, and uh, then take a look and make sure my rental rates are covering that plus whatever expenses I have. Um, I use skip payments during the slow season. So in you know in, in the Midwest here you know we get January through uh, April. It's a little slow so i use uh skip payments so we go to the bank and say hey, gee I don't want to pay in february march and april i'll start again in may so they uh i pay 100% of the what's due but they you know i pay it over 9 months instead of 12 um and then i'm you know do my projections against my debt service the EBITDA against the debt service and uh uh, but at the same time, I want to consider what happens if a recession is going to, you know, recession's going to hit us, and uh, what I'm going to have to do to, uh, you know, get the EBITDA or change the debt service so that I continue to, uh, you know, stay solvent. Uh, right. And you really got to understand those uh, bank covenants. I'm telling you, they're uh, you, know, you could spend a day just looking at those things and seeing, gee, what if I did this? What if I did that? What happens? And uh, uh, but uh, you really got to do that. And the CEO should know that. The CFO should know that so they know what's going on in the company.
3: So. All
1: right. Gary, why don't we give you a chance to catch your breath and we'll take a little uh, break here, uh, let you get a fresh cup of coffee or something, and we'll come back and pick this up where we left off. At that,
3: I'm going to break back to Voice America and take a breather. <music> Have you tried the new generation of Genie XC Booms? The XC stands for Extra Capacity, and with new technology in the design, the Genie XC Booms carry a higher load with dual capacity capability, compliant to global industry standards. Save time while you increase productivity. The new Genie XC Booms are common in design, parts, and accessories for easier servicing. For more information about the Genie family of XC Boom Lifts, visit GenieLift.com. That's GenieLift.com dot com. Genie Genuine Parts undergo testing on long-term durability and reliability, which means higher equipment resale values and warranties for you. You don't want to waste time and money on generic parts, or even counterfeit parts, especially in the long run. Genie Genuine Parts are factory-fitted and field-tested to the highest of standards, which means more machine uptime. We also have free ground freight on orders of $750 or more from our two-parts warehouses. Go to genielift.com to find out more. Genie Aerial Pros is one of the most comprehensive industry websites focused on safety and standards, service, and new products and applications. The Genie Aerial Pros site features experts in aerial and rental markets with five decades of experience and shared knowledge. You'll also get information on upcoming industry and company events, videos, training, and more. The Genie Aerial Pros website is available on a wide variety of platforms, including Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, Instagram, or through our own website, at genielift.com the genie z60 37 fe boom lift is at the forefront of true hybrid technology it is actually two machines in one that can be used for both indoor and outdoor applications the Genie difference is a lower cost of operation and cleaner performance. The Genie 60 37 FE boom lift is more fuel efficient, driven by high efficiency AC motors, which means lower emissions too. Check out the Genie FE difference today. Visit genielift.com.
0: This is Rental Equipped Talk Radio with Donald Charbonnet. If you have a question or comment about the program, Please send an email to rental equip talk radio at gmail.com. That's rental equip talk at gmail.com.
1: Now, back to this week's program. And we're back with my guest, Gary Bartecki, well known throughout the industry. Uh, we were talking about uh, equipment and values and stuff. And uh, Gary, I'll let you pick it up from there.
2: Yeah, okay. Um, thank you. Um, I think we'll, uh, we'll get into the uh, taxes for a second. Uh, I encourage uh, everybody to know their tax position, whether there's payments required or not. You know, with the current rules, there's a lot of uh, deductions we can have when we buy equipment, new or used, uh, which uh, which help. But at the same time, we don't want to tax uh, tail wagging the dog, and we need to stay on top of where we're at and exactly uh, what we can use. Now, there's a Big uh, difference between, uh, you know, the Section 179 and the bonus depreciation rules, you know, how you can use them, when you can use them. Uh, So I would uh, make sure that uh, you know what you're doing. Uh, You're probably better off sticking with the bonus depreciation now that it covers both new and used equipment. Uh, If you use the 179, it's uh, somewhat uh, more restrictive. Um, And uh, the other thing on this whole thing with rental is, just so you know, I um, hope the, the IRS isn't listening. Is that the? If it's a rental business, it's really a passive activity, believe it or not. And uh, so to uh, set offset the losses from a passive activity as a rental against ordinary income doesn't work. So you really uh, got to uh, get somebody that knows what they're doing along those lines, so that uh, you don't get into any trouble. I had a uh, IRS audit one day for a rental company and. Uh, the first thing out of the agent's mouth was, oh, gee, by the way, you know this is a passive activity. And uh, at least, uh, you know, the uh, tax guy I work with has worked with me for a long time, so he knows the drill. And we were able to, uh, you know, get it worked out. But at the same time, you know, he takes steps in the tax return to make sure that that issue doesn't uh, reflect itself in a way that uh, the IRS is going to get all worked up about it. So, and... uh, state and local tax position. You have to know what that is. I mean, too many people get in trouble with the use taxes and the sales taxes and they rent some equipment in a different county or they cross the state line and all of a sudden, you know, you're getting uh, memos that once they catch up with you. But not uh, taking the proper steps up front to get that uh, put into place properly is a big no-no because when they finally get you, it's not pretty. Not pretty at all. So, uh with that said so that's uh, you know taxes Uh, in terms of the equity position of the company you know what you're going to see if you look at the ARA report is most people are over 30% equity Uh, so we do want to do that so again we don't want to over depreciate the equipment you know a lot of uh, uh, rental companies they'll write it down to zero they'll do it over five years when in fact it's worth a heck of a lot more than that and all you're doing is penalizing yourself and uh Reducing the value of your equipment, but at the same time reducing your equity position. The other thing I do is that if I have any major repairs, you know, you set up the capitalization policy, you know, for tax purposes. And so, if you have a you know major expenses on a piece of equipment that's going to add to the useful life, well, you can capitalize that and write it off over three or four years, as opposed to taking it as an expense. Uh, take it as an expense, and it's out of the ordinary. Well, there again, you know, you're depleting your value of the company. And if there's no tax issues, I say, you know, don't don't take all the money out of the company every year in terms of bonuses, et cetera. Um, you know, keep it so that uh, you're in a comfortable cash position. Um, but at the same time, uh, you know, keep what you can in the company.
1: Gary, yeah, I want to make terms a, a of, comment. I'd like yeah. to jump back to taxes for just a second. Uh, having been on the other side of the fence as a renter uh, for mm-hmm. for the last number of years, what are your thoughts about the rental companies billing the customer for the property tax as part of the invoice?
2: Um, if I'm, I am do not know if you I mean, if I'm doing an RPO deal or I'm doing a rent-to-sell deal, then uh, you know they can charge me for the uh, the use tax. And uh, then when at the end of the transaction, if I, you know, take possession of the equipment, then the taxes are paid already, and I don't have to worry about it. But in terms of the, uh, um, uh, you know, if you come into Illinois, you bring a, a, a piece of equipment into Illinois, you got to pay a 7% use tax on that piece of equipment right off the bat, up front. Yeah. And, uh, uh, so, yeah, that's part of our cost, and uh, we look at it, and it's, you know, kind of built into the rental rates. But it is for everybody, because everybody in the state's got the same uh, position. Yeah. So what, the, what the exactly, uh, what taxes were you talking about there? Well, in I've,
1: I've seen that, and as I recall, it was in Texas, and in fact, uh, besides the sales tax, it was actually a property tax that obviously the rental company will be charged with uh, at year end, but they're mm-hmm. passing that that expense on to the uh, the customer on a rental-to-rental basis. I don't know if you've seen that or not.
2: Yeah, a lot of people, what they do is rather than uh, bulk up their rental rate and look non-competitive, you know, a lot of the larger companies, they got a charge for this and a charge for that and a charge for uh, oil and a charge for tires and they got a charge for (laughs) environmental charges. They got all kinds of charges, but but the rental rate is uh, competitive, but then they add everything else in. And I think, uh, you know, what you're talking about is probably uh, uh, a similar situation rather yeah. than reflected in the rental rate, which it has to be. They'll just add it on.
1: Right, right. So, Gary, we, we've been talking about a lot of accounting stuff in, in the last uh, uh, number of minutes. So are there other non-accounting issues that, that you feel need to be kept track of on a, a daily, weekly, monthly basis?
2: Uh, eh, hold on one second. I lost my papers here. Yeah, well, uh, you know, I think the, um, yeah, time and utilization reports, you know, the monthly and the trailing 12 months, um, know when to sell a unit, you got to have some issues on figuring out when to sell it, you know, like we said, you know, 30% of the, uh, cost of the unit every, uh, rental 30, Well, once the repairs get up to consistent 30% of the rentals, then it's time to move it out, um. The other thing is understanding the impact of selling a unit. You know, a lot of people, gee, I got to get some cash, I got to do this. Uh, I don't want to, you know, let it go some of the older units. But as long as you understand that, you know, you're selling a unit probably at the low point of your depreciable value sitting on the books. So, for example, if I had a unit that uh, well, I was selling for uh, I bought for $1,000 and now it's sitting on the books at uh, 300. And I want to turn around and sell it for three fifty. Well, I can do that, and I'll make three hundred fifty thousand. I'll assume the debt's all paid off, and I'll make three hundred fifty bucks on it. But then I got to turn around that same unit. They'll make me, uh, you know, three hundred dollars in rents. Uh, so now, but I got to go back now and pay a thousand dollars again to get my uh, rental stream back. So, in a lot of cases, it's you know the uh, you know the relationship between the. What you earn on selling it, and then what you have to, what you're giving up in terms of potential rental, uh, is an issue that people don't spend a lot of time on. And then they wind up selling a lot of stuff, and the next year buying a lot of stuff, and just increasing the debt and the debt service and everything else, and you wind up in the same place. So I think that's uh, that's an issue people need to spend a little more time on. The uh, you know for you know, in terms of paying salesmen, I'm always good for uh, paying for the results on a cash basis. You know, they don't get paid until I get paid. And uh, if I'm selling units, you know, some people have been selling units on on credit, and I, I don't do that. You know, if you want to buy a unit from me, you got to pay for it when I deliver it, and I'll help you arrange the financing if you need it. But I don't want to go on any uh, you know long term programs of uh, selling. I don't want to get into the sales business. And, and the last Gary, thing so is. Yeah. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, I, let me. I got one more thing there, and it's uh, I don't know if people use that washout gross profit analysis, but uh, you know that's uh, that's a concept where basically you list all your expenses for a unit, and you list all of your revenues for a unit, and at the end of the day, if you've uh, done everything right, so a lot of people buy a unit and then three years later decide to sell it and they sell it at a price where they don't recover their original cost plus the expenses, and it's actually a negative cash flow transaction. So, I buy, you know, so if I include the, what I paid for the unit plus the interest cost on the unit plus all the repairs on the unit, I come out to a number, and then on the other side I you know, mark all my rental revenues for that unit, and then what's left is the selling price. So that selling price I have to calculate, so that I generate a positive result of receipts versus uh, expenses and uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's a neat concept and it's easy to use and they don't get fancy with present value and all that they take that uh, you know, positive result so you sell it and you make fifty thousand dollars and they take the fifty thousand dollars and they calculate uh, what return that is on the original cost and then divide that up uh, over how many months it's been out on rent might be sixty months, might be forty-eight months, whatever it is, and you try and come up with a you know two and a half, three percent per month uh, number, and if you do that, okay, it's a good good deal. But a lot of people will sell a unit, and they don't take this into account, and they wind up basically with a negative uh, result of selling a unit, and they think they're doing something that's generating cash. So, so that's something so, you gotta gotta play with.
1: So so in the long run, the overall return on investment. How do you view? Them? the return on investment when you get ready to sell a unit?
2: Um, well, the uh, uh, return on investment is, you know, the, uh, the uh, profit I made against the original cost. And if I capitalized any repairs, the original cost, but this capital capitalized repairs, um, I'm always, uh, like I said, when I sell something, I'll use my appraisal. And I usually come out, if I write it down to a 30% book value and I use my appraisal number for fair market value, I'm usually making a 30% gross profit on it. But at the same time, if it's a unit that's within the first five, six, seven years of existence in my fleet and I bought it new, I'm going to do that washout gross profit analysis to make sure I'm selling it for enough money to justify the transaction. And if I can't, then I'll keep it longer, and because the more I do and rent those, the higher my overall ROI goes. And like I said, I try and get it up to 300 percent minimum. So if I buy a hundred thousand dollar unit, when I get three hundred thousand of rents on it, then I'll start looking at maybe uh, you know getting rid of it. But all I know is I want to keep my fleet costs down as much as I can. But I do want to value it properly according to the appraisal, and uh, but at the same time I want to get my market rates for it, and uh, you know my ROI should uh, go up on uh, uh, as a result. But at the same time, you know you got to know your market. Uh, you got to understand the needs for a seasonal business. There's going to be differential pricing on rentals for different times during the season. You, know, you might be better off re-renting if you got models in there that you don't make enough on to justify keeping them. You know, you use the post-billing, 13 billing cycles, and you measure your results against the original equipment cost. Um, try and avoid, uh, you know, buying for a three-month opportunity and use that house gross profit analysis. So that, uh, uh, you know, helps, you know, manage the uh, manage the whole process. So along, along those same lines, and you
1: talk about ROI, uh, what about rental pricing? And uh, it's always obviously a, a very competitive nature out there right now. So what are your thoughts on rental pricing?
2: Well, uh, I mean, that's, a, that's always a big issue. You know, every salesman comes in and says, I can't rent it for that. You know, Harvey down the street is uh, given a lowball number. And uh, uh, I think that's where this Roush report comes in handy. Because you can sit there and see what all your major competitors are doing in terms of that unit, that model, what they're running it for on a daily, weekly, and monthly basis. And you'll know if you're below the average, above the average, way below the average, or way above the average. And uh, they'll give you that analysis where you can sit there and do that. But, you know, you've got to know got to know your market. You've got to track and see, uh, you know, what the, what the equipment's worth. Um, so uh, you know, Roush had a uh, report that they used to do with uh, calculating estimated uh, values over a 10-year period. And when I checked that report against what I'm doing with uh, you know 10 percent a year for you know down to 30 um, uh, percent come out, it came out pretty close to that, so that's why I continue to, to use that. so. But the pricing is, uh, you know, you got to know your market, and you, you know, you got to pay attention to where you're at in the season, and you know, some people have uh, the winter rates, and some people have, uh, you know, contract rates, and some people have summer rates. Uh, you know, but when you get into the busy season, you know, the rates should all go up. But the point is, if somebody doesn't move them, you know, from your rate sheet uh, during the year, you know, nothing happens, and uh, you know, the sales guys will. Depending how they get paid, you know, they'll get, uh, you know, if you're not paying them based on getting a certain number, you know, they'll just uh, lowball it. So it's all a, uh, it's a a game, you know. Now here's where, you know, going to one of those 20 groups, this whole topic here, you know, you'd learn enough to, you know, keep you busy for, you know, years in terms of, you know, what everybody's doing on different things. So it would be quite interesting.
1: At that, I'm going to break back to Voice America and take a breather.
3: Have you tried the new generation of Genie XC Booms? The XC stands for Extra Capacity, and with new technology in the design, the Genie XC Booms carry a higher load with dual capacity capability, compliant to global industry standards. Save time while you increase productivity. The new Genie XC Booms are common in design, parts, and accessories for easier servicing. For more information about the Genie family of XC Boom Lifts, visit GenieLift.com That's GenieLift.com Genie Genuine Parts undergo testing on long-term durability and reliability, which means higher equipment resale values and warranties for you. You don't want to waste time and money on generic parts, or even counterfeit parts, especially in the long run. Genie Genuine Parts are factory-fitted and field-tested to the highest of standards, which means more machine uptime. We also have free ground freight on orders of $750 or more from our two-parts warehouses. Go to genielift.com to find out more. Genie Aerial Pros is one of the most comprehensive industry websites focused on safety and standards, service, and new products and applications. The Genie Aerial Pros site features experts in aerial and rental markets with five decades of experience and shared knowledge. You'll also get information on upcoming industry and company events, videos, training, and more. The Genie Aerial Pros website is available on a wide variety of platforms, including Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, Instagram, or through our own website, at genielift.com. The Genie Z60-37FE Boom Lift is at the forefront of true hybrid technology. It is actually two machines in one that can be used for both indoor and outdoor applications. The Genie difference is a lower cost of operation and cleaner performance. The Genie 60-37FE Boom Lift is more fuel efficient, driven by high-efficiency AC motors, which means lower emissions, too. Check out the Genie FE difference today. Visit GenieLift.com. This is Rental Equipped Talk Radio
0: with Donald Charbonnet. If you have a question or comment about the program, please send an email to Radio at gmail.com. That's radio at gmail.com. Now, back to this week's program.
1: And we're back. Yeah, you, you mentioned earlier about uh, about re-rents. Are you comfortable uh, renting other folks' equipment and, and your thoughts about that regarding service?
2: Well, I think the uh, re-rent is a... Uh way to go i mean i don't i don't want to buy a lot of machines that i'm only going to rent for three months because that's the heaviest busy season so you know i want to keep everything current i want to keep my hard down units up and running i want to you know make everything rent ready right away when it comes in so my availability is high and uh, then if i get stuck and i get an order for somebody that does business with us i'll do a rent. um I'm responsible for the maintenance, depending on how long it's out there. You know, if it's strictly a weekly or a monthly or rental, then chances are I don't have much exposure on doing the uh, the uh, maintenance. But if it needs it, uh, you know, i got to do it. But uh, right. I'm keeping my customer happy, and, uh, you know, I make a buck on it. But at the same time, I don't have the exposure of the, regarding the debt service on a piece of equipment that I'm not going to get, you know, satisfactory uh, utilization on it.
1: Right. Here, as, we, as we've talked in this show about uh, understanding the, the rental business, uh, at the end of the day, uh, what are the things that really matter?
2: Well, there's, uh, you know, we talked about some of them already, and that's, uh, you know, understanding the EBITDA. Go through that, calculate that yourself every month, make sure it's right, it should come out as part of your financial statement, and that's got to cover your debt service and all expenses. Uh, and that's your cash flow from operations number. And uh, if it doesn't do that, uh, then, you know, we've got troubles. So you've got to make sure you do that. Uh, the debt-to-equity ratios, you've got to know, you know, figure out how that works. You know, and, and the banks have all these uh, calculations in their loan docs. So you've got to work with them on that and make sure they understand what you're doing. You know, in a lot of cases for our business, you know, the loan terms they are they're too short. You know, I can't pay off something in three years. Or I'm only renting it for X. I need six or seven. And, uh, you know, so you've got to educate them. And the debt coverage and the debt to the EBITDA, you know, are the big, uh, big problems that uh, you have to uh, uh, work with the bank. And uh, because, if, you know, if the total debt, you know, over the EBITDA is more than five, five and a half times, uh, you're going to have a problem with the bank. They like to stick around five, five and a half times. But at the same time, you know, it uh, depends on what you're renting and the, how you rent it and uh, what kind of profit you make on it, and uh, which might offset some of the negatives. So it's, uh, it's again, a questioning of uh, educating them. Obviously, time and dollar utilization are important, you know, because if I increase my uh, time utilization, my dollar utilization goes up whether I increase the rates or not. Uh, but you'll get that from the... Uh, uh, from the, uh, uh, you know, from the banks, you'll you'll find out what they need, and I mean, you'll you'll figure that out. As uh, the higher your time utilization goes, your dollars are going to go up. Uh, mm-hmm. Fleet mix, I always like to see I got the right stuff. That's again looking at my utilization reports. You know, having that debt matrix, so I know I got some cushion in there in case I got to sell off a bunch of stuff. And I don't have to pay off the bank. And again, you know, a lot of people, I think you got to run this as a separate business. You know, Whether you're a contractor that's got a rental fleet or whether it's a, uh, a rental company or a, a, a dealer, you've got to run this as a separate business. Otherwise, uh, it's kind of hard to compare your results against the uh, metrics and it's hard to compare your results against the cost of doing business survey.
1: Gary, do, do you feel like the banks understand the reason that you have to turn the fleet and keep it current for competition? Uh,
2: uh, I will, you will find that in my writings, in all these articles, I don't espouse that uh, turning it over quickly theory. I am a keep it longer theory guy, and uh, um, that way I uh, get it paid off, and then it's all free money and it's good for building up my debt matrix uh, cushion. Um, so if I, if I got the qualified techs and I've got the facility to do the work, or I can buy reconditioned units, uh, that's that. Uh, that's what I want to do. But I'm not uh, turning them in five years. That's, uh, that's not for me. Uh, if I can keep them 10, that's what I want to do, because I'll make a lot more money.
1: Right. Here, before uh, we get into the the closing of the show, I want to make sure that our listeners know how to get in touch
2: with you. Okay. Uh, well, it's uh, gbartecky at uh, comcast.net um, or Gbartechie at highreach.com That's h-i-r-e-a-c-h dot com. And my phone number is 708-347-9109. And uh, anybody needs any help, perhaps questions, be glad to talk to them.
1: Aaron, well, anything else that you'd like to add before we get into the close of the show?
2: I mean, you've given us some really great information today. Well, the one last thing I forgot to mention I wanted to is paying attention to the cash flow. And I got an example I'm looking at where I made a 45% gross profit margin. But at the same time, with the debt service and interest and et cetera, I lost 50 bucks on the deal. So when I, when I compare the accounting against the cash flow, I lost money. So the other thing is, that's the other thing you got to pay attention to is what's it costing me for this thing? And, uh, you know, what you know, when do, when am I going to have a profitable cash flow on it?
1: Right. Right. So, Gary, I want to uh, really thank you for for being my guest. Uh, I hope that you'll come back and visit sometime in the very near future. Uh, I want to thank everybody again for the emails. Keep them coming. Remember that you can always listen on demand. Uh, I hope some of the information today either helped to provoke more questions. I have a feeling there'll be a lot of folks running to their CPAs uh, with a lot of these analyses that uh, that are available to them, and I hope they they uh, take advantage of them. So, uh, Gary, thanks for being on the show today. Okay, thank you. So next week, uh, my guest is Larry Kay. Uh, Larry is a well-known management consultant to the industry and a great friend. And I think that you'll find the information that he's going to bring to the show very valuable. Uh, I always like to have a quote for the day. And uh, being a New Orleans Saint, uh, my actual quote is from Drew Brees, our quarterback, before the Saints' last game. He said, the strength of the pack is in the wolf. The strength of the wolf is in the pack. The strength of every man is in his team. And the strength of his team is in every man. I think that's very apropos in the rental industry because it's really all about teamwork. If you'd like to be a guest, suggest a guest, advertise, or have a question, please keep writing to me at RentalEquippedTalkRadio at gmail.com. Till next week, thanks for spending some of your valuable time with me today. Be safe and good reading. And again, Gary, thanks a lot for your time today. Thank you. Back to Voice America.
0: Thank you for tuning in to Rental Equip Talk Radio. Be sure to join your host, Donald Charbonnet, next Wednesday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time and 1 p.m. Eastern Time for another edition on the Voice America Business Channel. Until we speak again, have a great week.
3: Genuine Parts undergo testing on long term durability and reliability, which means higher equipment resale values and warranties for you. You don't want to waste time and money on generic parts or even counterfeit parts especially in the long run genie genuine parts are factory fitted and field tested to the highest of standards which means more machine uptime we also have free ground freight on orders of 750 dollars or more from our two parts warehouses go to genielift.com to find out more Genie Aerial Pros is one of the most comprehensive industry websites focused on safety and standards, service, and new products and applications. The Genie Aerial Pros site features experts in aerial and rental markets with five decades of experience and shared knowledge. You'll also get information on upcoming industry and company events, videos, training, and more. The Genie Aerial Pros website is available on a wide variety of platforms, including Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, Instagram, or through our own website, at genielift.com The Genie Z60/37FE boom lift is at the forefront of true hybrid technology. It is actually two machines in one that can be used for both indoor and outdoor applications. The Genie difference is a lower cost of operation and cleaner performance. The Genie 60-37FE boom lift is more fuel efficient, driven by high efficiency AC motors, which means lower emissions too. Check out the Genie FE difference today. Visit genielift.com. Have you tried the new generation of Genie XC Booms? The XC stands for Extra Capacity, and with new technology in the design, the Genie XC Booms carry a higher load with dual capacity capability, compliant to global industry standards. Save time while you increase productivity. The new Genie XC Booms are common in design, parts, and accessories for easier servicing. For more information about the Genie family of XC Boom Lifts, a genielift.com that's genielift.com